me begin this morning by expressing my heartfelt appreciation to this congregation. Last week, I enjoyed a great gospel meeting with the good brethren at the Grange Hall congregation. And almost every service, there were some of you there to encourage and support that gospel meeting. And it got me to thinking how I often do not express my appreciation as much as I ought. Uh, This is a very good congregation. It is well respected among our brethren, and you have treated me exceptionally well, and I want you to know that I appreciate it. I appreciate each of you for your kindness, for your goodness, for being who you are. And uh, I wanted to say that before I began our lesson this morning. This morning I want to talk about a father who deserves to be honored You know, today is a day that the world celebrates. It's a secular holiday known as Father's Day. It's about 100 years old in its tradition. There was a desire to try to have a day for fathers since there was already a day set aside for mothers. And around the early 1900s, there began to be what was known as Father's Day. But usually, I do not preach sermons that correlate with secular holidays. The reason being is I don't want the world to drive our preaching. I don't want the world to somehow be in control of what we will say or what we will do. And so for that reason, quite often, I will not preach on what's going on. But this weekend, I got to thinking about Father's Day and about what that means to so many of us. Some of you still have your fathers alive and uh, you need to let them know that you appreciate them. That is a biblical teaching. Some of us do not have our fathers alive and oh, that we miss them. Not only their advice, but their encouragement and even their very presence. But you know, sometimes when you come to a day like this, you can take the Bible and an event that's on people's minds and be able to make them think. And that's what the Bible does teach. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16, Paul writes, See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And then Colossians chapter 4, verse 5 Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. The phrase redeeming the time means to make the best use of the time that you have. Because people today are expressing their appreciation to their fathers, or they are thinking about their fathers who have gone on before them for just a few moments while we are worshiping the God of heaven, I want to focus your attention on our giving honor and praise and recognition to our Heavenly Father. Here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to look at the Father revealed, and I want us to see that. That's a very important part of this lesson. Number two, the Father respected, the respect that God deserves, that we owe Him, And then finally, the character of the Father replicated in our own lives. Let's begin, first of all, and when you start talking about God as our Father, 
I have listened this past week to a number of people talk about their physical fathers. And I heard one young lady say, I don't know who my father is. I never met him. I don't know anything about who he is, where he came from. I'm just totally oblivious to him. I heard another young man say that his father died when he was an infant. And he didn't remember anything about him, but others had told him about his father. I want to take you through two or three passages of Scripture, which I think are extremely important. The first one is found in John 1 and verse 18. In fact, we're going to look at three passages from the book of John. So if you will, take your Bibles. Let's just look at those. And Jesus says, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. Pause for just a moment and think about the significance of what Jesus just said. He said, No one has seen God at any time. You have not physically seen God the Father. Not at all. In fact, Jesus says the only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, that is the one who had the close, intimate relationship with the Father, He said, He has declared Him. What do you know about God that you did not learn from the Bible? Think about that. You and I... Our experience with God is because of what we learn in the Bible. You might say, but God's been good to me. God has given this. But how did you know that? It's because you found that out in the Bible. Now go with me to John chapter 6 and let's look at verses 44 or 45 and 46. John 6, 45 and 46. And Jesus says, it is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Now listen carefully to verse 46. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Jesus is not suggesting that you and I have physically heard with our own ears the message from God. In fact, verse 46, that's his point. But verse 45, he says, and they shall all be taught by God was an Old Testament principle. How are you and I taught by God? Through His Word, which was revealed to us by His prophets and by His Son, Jesus Christ. Let's go to John chapter 14 for just a moment. Before I go to verses 8 and 9, I want you to think about the context in which this passage appears. In John 14, verse 1, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? 
You see, Jesus is saying, I am going to depart and I'm going to be with the Father. I want you to believe in the Father, but I also want you to believe in me. But when you get to verses 8 and 9, Philip is going to respond by saying to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? How do I know what God would do in any given situation? I can see it in the actions of His Son, Jesus Christ. I can recognize that I have revealed to me the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. And today, if you hear people tell you, oh, well, God will do this, God will do that, my question to many of them is, how do you know that? Where did you learn that? Who told you God is going to just somehow wave his hand and say, sin doesn't count, sin doesn't matter? With that point having been made, let's talk about for just a moment what Jesus says about God. What about who he is and what he is? He is definitely a provider for man If you'll back up with me, we're going to go to a couple of passages in the Sermon on the Mount. First one in chapter 7, the second one will be from chapter 6. And Jesus is telling those people, as well as us, Ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks find, and to him knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good gifts to those who ask him? You see, just like human fathers love their children They're going to see that their needs are met, that they are provided for. He says no earthly man, earthly father, is going to have a son say, Father, give me some bread and we'll throw a stone to him. If we, evil fathers, worldly fathers, less than perfect fathers, are willing to provide for our families, how much more is God? Now let's back up to chapter 6 for just a moment. There were some verses that preceded that. And there's a reason why God sometimes, we hurt his feelings. And that is because we don't trust him like we ought. And what Jesus talked about was people who were anxious, worried about what they would eat, what they would drink, and what they would put on, the necessities of life. And he says in verse 25, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not 
of more value than they? Folks, here's the reality of life. God clothes the grass of the field. God feeds the birds of the air. Why do we not trust our Heavenly Father to provide for our needs? Drop down with me now to verse 31. Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your Heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. God's able to look down and see what Tony Lawrence needs. He's able to observe your needs. And let me tell you, God cares about you. You're more of value than those birds of the air. But God is also a protector. He's a provider, but he's a protector. In fact, if you will listen to Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13... He says, no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Now here's reality. You have a little child, a little boy, a little girl, and they're... They're growing up now, and they've got to the age where they can start taking their first few steps. Now, as a parent, you try to protect them by making sure that if they fall, they're not going to hit their head on a sharp corner on a coffee table. Or they're not going to fall on something that might injure them. But you will let them fall, you will let them stumble. Because you have to give them an opportunity to build the strength to be able to stand on their own and walk on their own. God does not prevent every temptation and difficulty from coming our way. God knows that we need to develop strength. And so God will protect us from something that is beyond our ability just like you would your own child. God is our protector. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations. He knows what He's doing, folks. God is our protector. But now God also is concerned about His children getting along. Here's another reality of life. Sometimes we don't get along with our brothers and sisters. For those of you who have siblings, you know that as children, most of you probably fought like cats and dogs. Some of us maybe have carried that behavior into adulthood. And shame on us if we do. And God looks down at his children and he wants them to get along Jesus would pray in John 17, 20 and 21, Neither for these only do I pray, but for all of them who shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, Father, as you are in me and I in you, that the world may believe that you sent me. In Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15, Jesus said, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you will not forgive or do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Our problem is sometimes God wants us as 
His children to be forgiving. You say, is there a real application of this? Well, sure there is. In Luke 15, verses 28 through 32, due to time, I'm just going to summarize this for you. The older brother comes in. Here's his younger brother who's been the prodigal, who's gone out and wasted his father's living. He comes back in. He hears the noise of the preparation and the celebration. And he won't even go into the celebration because of his brother. And what Jesus points out is those people who were Pharisees thought that they were better than others and they couldn't forgive nor could they be able to associate with others who had made bad mistakes. God looks down from heaven and he sees all his children have made mistakes. Some of them are in a right relationship with him and some are not. Some think they are, and they've not yet looked at their own hearts. And what Jesus wants from his children is they get along. You see, he's provided for us. Now, very quickly, let's talk about the father respecting. When a person is in a position of responsibility, or I would suggest even authority, he deserves some respect. The passage Brother Ethan read for us just a few moments ago from Malachi chapter 1. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If I am the father, where is my honor? There were people who were not showing God the respect and the honor which he deserved as the father. He deserves our respect, our honor because he created us. In Psalm 148, verse 5, Let them praise the name of the Lord, for He commanded and they were created. Isaiah 45, 18, For thus says the Lord, who created the heavens, who is God, who formed the earth and made it, who has established it, who did not create it in vain, who formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, there is no other. You should not look and say, Well, this one created it or that one. There's only one and it is God. Malachi 2.10 says, Have we not one Father? Has not one God created us? Every person on the face of this planet should look up and give God the glory, the praise, the respect, because this is His world. It belongs to Him, including us. God is to be respected because he cares about our choices. You see, God looks down to each and every one of us and says, I care about what they decide, what they do. And in fact, I want to guide them to make right choices. In Hebrews chapter 12, beginning with verse 5, And you have forgotten the exhortation that speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom the Father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which we have all become partakers... Then you are illegitimate and not sons. 
Furthermore, we had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and lived? Now pause for just a moment before I read verses 10 and 11. My father corrected me. I am sure many of you had your father correct you. The question is, why did your parent correct you? I'm going to tell you sometimes we as parents do things because we're selfishly motivated. It makes us mad. Sometimes we will say, son, don't you know you're embarrassing us when what we're thinking about is our reputation. Listen to verse 10. For they indeed chastened us as it seemed best to them, but he for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. God is trying to make us better so that we make better choices in life. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness by those who've been trained by it. And then Revelation 3.19 says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. And God deserves to be praised and honored because of His power, His capability. God is able to do anything. You know, someone walks in, they're six foot eight, 275 pounds, all muscle. And they say to me, You need to stand up. You know what? I'm going to respect that. I'm going to respect it. There's respect sometimes that comes because of who a person is. And then there's respect sometimes because what a person is. Listen to Jeremiah 32, verse 17, verse 27. Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. There's nothing too hard for you. God responds to Jeremiah in verse 27. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Isaiah 40, verses 28 through 31, a beautiful, eloquent passage talking about God not being faint nor weary, able to give strength to those who are weak. Now, very quickly, let's talk about the Father and replicating His character in our lives. There's a proverb. It's not a biblical proverb, but it is true. Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Now think about that for just a moment. Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. If there's somebody that you really respect, you're going to try to imitate them. Now being a preacher, I have seen this happen many times, and sometimes imitation goes awry. I remember several years ago some of us going and hearing a very powerful, eloquent preacher who would walk from one side of the pulpit to the other side of the pulpit, raise his arms and and his voice and sing 40 verses of Just As I Am and 
load the pews with responses. And I remember some of my friends deciding that they were going to try to replicate that. And you know what happens when you try to imitate somebody and it's not who you are? It looks silly. But you see, we ought to be replicating God in our lives every day, and especially those of us who are fathers. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48, Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes a sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you have more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Look at God and look, see the way He treats other people. That's the way we ought to treat people. Our Paul puts it very plainly in Ephesians 5 verse 1, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. You see, as you look at these small children sometimes, they're so cute. Daddy comes in walking with his cowboy boots and sort of got a, a walk that goes along with the boots. And then you look and the little boy's walking behind him. He don't have boots on, but he's walking the same way his daddy does. Imitation. Replication in our lives. Earthly fathers would do well to learn from God how to be a good father. We've already looked at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. What good fathers do is they instill values in their children. They teach them the right way. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 2, he talks about the commandments of the Lord. And then he gets to verse 7 and says, You shall teach them diligently to your children. When you walk in the way, when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. Fathers, you instill in your children values when you teach them God's will. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Colossians 3.21 basically says the same thing. And good fathers teach their children to make wise choices. Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he'll not depart from it. You put good decision-making Choices in their lives. Of course, that doesn't mean that a parent is responsible for every choice that their child makes. Ezekiel 18.20 says, The soul that sins, it shall die. The father will not bear the iniquity of the son, nor the son the iniquity of the father. Joshua standing at the end of his life says, Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. 
God is only a giver of good things. As such, when Jesus taught us to pray, he said, Our Father in heaven, hallowed, sanctified, special is your name. We honor our Heavenly Father when we obey him. Now, I talked to you about Jesus in the beginning and about how he revealed the Father. Listen to the writer of the book of Hebrews in chapter 5 and verse 8. Though he were a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all those who obey him. You see, Jesus showed us what a good son does. A good son of God does what the Father says to do. John 14, verse 31, Jesus, while talking to those 12 apostles, said, but that the world may know that I love the Father. As the Father has given me commandment, so I do. Will you obey our Heavenly Father this morning by becoming a Christian? Believing in the Jesus the Christ, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Him, and being baptized. Everything is ready for you. The baptistry is ready. The garments are ready. Is your heart ready? Are you a child of God who's been like the prodigal son, wandering around in a far country, saying and doing things that you know your father wouldn't approve of, Why do you wait? It took the prodigal son coming to himself and saying, I need to go back home and I need to tell my father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no more worthy to be called your son. You come with a penitent heart and I guarantee you that God will be looking for you just like that father was looking for his son and he was coming afar off. Will you come while we stand and sing?